Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. For more information, you can visit the Cinema Catch-Up Club's official Facebook page. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Or you can visit our website, thoughtjarproductions.com. This podcast is available on iTunes and SoundCloud, and we would really appreciate your subscriptions there, so pick your service of choice. For more information about this and other podcasts we produce, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com. And now, for this week's episode. Hello everybody, and welcome to this special edition of the Cinema Catch-Up Club podcast. Today, I am interviewing somebody who appeared in one of the films that we are reviewing. My guest is the stunt performer Marcello Vullian. Marcello, welcome to the programme. Good evening, good evening, Steve. Thank you for the lovely opportunity. And thank you so much for inviting me into your home and uh, and feeding me. It was lovely. Thank <laughs> was you. Absolutely I'm glad curious. you enjoyed it. Just for the people listening at home, yes. uh, who are you and what did you do on The Lord of the Rings? Well, who am I? Uh, now, a lot of the times people do ask me and uh, I like to talk about it. And there has been many years since um, we have filmed, since I worked on Lord of the Rings. And it has been one of the most memorable moments in my life and uh, highlights in my stuntman career. Um, as I did work uh, early in some of the feature films and series and commercials. But that was one of the most memorable experiences that yeah. I've ever had. Um, I was just very fortunate that has happened uh, when the team was being organized uh, and uh, we had to basically sell ourselves to New Line Cinema production um, and train for about six months beforehand. Mm. And then we got uh, taken on by the uh, Peter Jackson liked the stuff and New Line Cinema representatives who came from the States liked what we were doing. They liked the stylistics and uh, fight scenes and our capabilities were right on the spot. We sold ourselves after about six months of hard work. Mm. So you uh, worked as a stunt performer uh, prior to Lord of the Rings. Yes, uh, I did. Um, so I understand you worked on a, a little television program called Xena Warrior Princess. Yes, I did indeed. That started in 1994, 1995. We did work on a Xena Warrior Princess uh, with uh, um, famous Lucy Lawless and her sidekick. Uh, um, and um, that started pretty much in 1994, 1995. I worked for about four or five years on the series and that was all based on martial arts action. Lots of wide shots, a lot of uh, major fight scenes, a lot of stuntmen involved and... A lot of goosing around, you mm. know, 12 hour days. <laughs> Sometimes we'll just come on a set and basically they will be wrapped because New Zealand weather wasn't really that great. Mm. So there wasn't permittable for the day to film because of the clouds. And regardless of that, we used to get paid. Mm. Well, and I mean, that's that's the main thing. That was the point. <laughs> um, so I'm curious, um, how, how 
how does one get into working in stunt work? Because obviously um, there are stunt performers all around the world in all the different film industries, but for you specifically, um, I, I imagine your way into the world of uh, stunts being in New Zealand was a bit different than maybe the more traditional American model. Well, yes. Our reason the way we got in was basically it was just a sheer luck. One of the first things I would say was a luck at the time. Um, I was, uh, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, I was talking to you and mentioned martial arts was one of the 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 main um, uh, reasons why we sort of stepped into the world of stunt work in New Zealand because uh, there haven't been that many trained people or stuntmen in New Zealand at a time. And uh, one very famous stunt person in New Zealand is uh, Peter Bell, who uh, who has done many of stunts in uh, many of films, early New Zealand famous films like uh, Pork Pie and Goodbye Pork Pie and uh, many others. And he's done some amazing um, stunt scenes, almost as good as Jackie Chan was one mm. particular one with the hanging of the helicopter by the you know, holding his teeth to a piece of string and piece of wood. Right, so he's he's, he's big bickies in New Zealand stuff. He was, big. Yeah. he still is, but he sort of came to our school and uh, asked my um, later on stunt coordinator and, mm. uh, and, and one of the fellow friends, good friends of my instructor in martial arts, Paddy Dordovich, mm. to... Um, to get him a four people because he needed a more stunt people in his crew so basically we've done this weekend of three days of just uh, being tried on and coached in and he says oh well you know because your background in martial arts is no problem we'll take you on and then we uh, two weeks later we, we got our first salary Yeehaw. lovely so how did you get into martial arts in the first place Again, I have to mention a, a person who was very responsible for it was Paddy Dordovich, um, my very good friend uh, of many years and my instructor and a teacher and mentor. Um, he, I used to hang around with him a lot. We knew each other from working on the security scene at, in, back in the 90s and uh, uh, we forged a really good and close friendship. And at some stage I was... Um, um, I was anticipating to join his school because uh, I heard how good his school was and they've done some amazing stuff and they trained full time and I liked the sound of it, uh, you know, it was very exciting. It was a little bit of a reputation there, uh, joining that school who was a bit of a hard hard nut school and uh, so I wanted to, uh, to, to experience that, you know, push myself to the to the limits and train six six days a week which was pretty much what the school was offering and uh, after about two or three years of training um, this is when my opportunity in the stunt work came through Paddy knowing lots of people because he he knew so many people in Auckland and security and fight scene and kickboxing uh, in film industry so obviously Peter Bell approached him and this is how we got into the film industry. And I think he, he Paddy himself, was the one of the, uh, if you remember, Hercules and his sidekick. Mm. 
uh, he was the double for the sidekick. Oh, right. Yes. Oh, excellent. So we can still see his fine work today. Yes, we can. Certainly That's we wonderful. can. So um, this then leads to The Lord of the Rings. Yes. So it's the late 90s. Uh, Peter Jackson has um, gotten this deal with New Line Cinema to make a three-film adaption of The Lord of the Rings. So where where, where do you come into this particular story? How, how did you get involved in this uh, recreation of Middle-earth? Well, I was at at a time, I was probably going through a bit of a interesting year at a time. I was still doing what I was doing. I was still training in the martial arts and uh, was a bit more involved in the boxing, amateur boxing and training fighters and uh, uh, with a friend of mine who has passed away since then, um, was a world champion boxer and uh, being on that scene, I was uh, basically a lot more involved with, uh, with a lot of other people and uh, at some stage uh, I um, received the phone call from Paddy who I was keeping in touch with most of the time and he offered me an opportunity to join his team. They are going to be forming sometimes in October, I believe 1998. Uh, and he then um, said just stand by and I'll give you a call in a month and that happened right next minute we all meet up in this little community center and I don't know anybody or except for Andy Stalin who was one of my um, instructors from the same martial arts background as a Paddy Dordovich and a couple of other guys and uh, who already worked on a film and the rest of the people were just the first time comers. So we started training mm-hmm. three months into it. We went down to the Wellington and met Peter, J- Peter Jackson and uh, we took it from there. Right. So so three months of training uh, to, to get yourselves essentially uh, film fit. Yes. Uh, so what was involved in, in the training then? H- how does one train to uh, to be a part of Middle Earth? Well, most of the people that I have met, some of the people were already either jockeys, horse riders. One of the, one of the stunties was a champion wrestler. Then there was a few martial artists. So everyone had some sort of background with the movement, understanding the movement motion um obviously it was just a matter of now uh getting into the story and uh, understanding what the what is expected of somebody on the film set although we had to go through the process of teaching a lot of these new stuntmen um people uh angles the stacking uh selling off the falls and selling off the cuts and hits and kicks whatever was involved and uh, that took a few months mm. but it was a it was a lot of hard work i mean we, we, we did get together probably most of the days at some stage we did go down to wellington and uh peter jackson and uh, producers have seen what we were doing and then i believe next uh, minute new line cinema came later on three four months later from united states and had a look at it when we were already organized and shifted to wellington to live we for basically um production six foot three was three foot six i keep i keep forgetting what the name was i think it was three foot six or something like that anyway the, with the basis in the fort dorset in wellington 
in a nice little picturesque part of the uh, Wellington uh, Miramar was near the studio and the sort of uh, we commenced our trainings every day we were already on a salary uh, living in army barracks what right. was called the Fort Dorset in Wellington and um, by then we already had a team of uh, probably original 25 or 30 stuntmen was already in there so that's a, a lot of uh, stunt performers obviously for this being such a massive project with essentially making three films at the same time it, um, did. it was always going to be a very big uh, deal I suppose getting everyone together so was there a normal day as, as a stuntman was there a day that you could go this was a pretty average day in terms of how it was to work as a stunt performer on Lord of the Rings Yes, there were days that were average. There were days full of expectations. There were days who were basically, you know, you were thrown in the deep end and you really didn't know what's going to happen. But I think we were very highly spirited. And um, there was one of the uh, mentionings of the quite few American crews who really were amazed at how the spirited New Zealanders were Mm. as a crew the stuntmen, extras, logistics, the people who supported entire picture. I mean, we're talking about people who basically even truck drivers, anyone who was catering, anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was just an amazing unison and um, people really loving the whole project. You could see wholeheartedly whole of New Zealand being behind. And mm-hmm. some stage later on, prime minister of the time was uh, Helen Clark. She involved the military which um, I can tell you later on about. There was a, towards the end of it, we, we were involved with basically training the about eight or 900 military personnel from New Zealand for the big final fight scene in the uh, third film. So you got to train actual serving soldiers? Uh, yes, we in, did. In essentially stunt combat? Yes, well, well we needed it because basically later on as you probably have heard and people know about it the veta studio was a was a major um drive behind success uh, richard um, um, who owned the uh, veta studio he, he's put all his life on the line basically for the veta studio being behind all the blues blue screen the green you know everything mm shot in a you know mega mega picture Mm. this is how they got around to do all these um, big wide shots with the eight nine hundred people multiplying it to you know three hundred four hundred five hundred thousand so in the end of in the third picture you can see hundreds and thousands of soldiers or creatures being out there Mm. Um, and uh, having army personnel basically dressed in those soldiers we had to uh, basically um, trained them in some basic combat but also safety on the film right that was the major paramount issue the safety mm. uh, so and uh, I think we succeeded mm. because five of us went down to um, desert road where New Zealand army had a base mm-hmm. and also the the scouts chose this area for filming for these final scenes where Aragon rides on the horses and rallies the troops and there's this final big battle happening and um, so army helped us a lot in mm. moving the personnel and 
we spent a good month before that uh, training all the um, personnel and so we, we basically came down with four vans full of sticks and I still have one stick, a couple of these sticks left as a mm-hmm. big, big memento right. and of the time. <laughs> I, I do have to ask, did um, do soldiers make good stuntmen? Yes, they do. Because um, also Paddy, uh, who was instrumental in training them, he, is us- he was really amazing with you know training. He instructed us how we're going to train them, how we're going to talk to them, how we're going to instruct them, which way what's as short as possible way an effective way of training them so you we had to basically use a military style of training this is exactly what we use in our style of martial arts which was originally Shaolin and and it's very competitive um, martial arts that has a military background so basically after about four weeks all these soldiers knew the basics basic sword fighting action the blocks the parries uh, you know, reposts and etc. Uh, etc. Et and just movement and engagement, mm. and understanding where to be positioned in the camera, understanding what means to stack up or miss or whatever. Mm. So all that was very successful, and we had lots of laughter too oh, because good. there was a lot of soldiers who really enjoyed it. So well, it was I, like being. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose it's a more uh, it's it, it's a slightly more fun uh, day than than a lot of their uh, military service. It is. It was. Um, so, uh, you you are a stunt performer who has been in arguably the most successful film trilogy of of Western cinema, nay, all cinema. Yes. So, what scenes can we see Marcello Vulian doing his incredible stunt work? Are there any uh, from across the films? Uh, are there any shots or scenes where you know that is definitely me? Definitely, there there, there is a lot. Right from the beginning, um, a lot of little shots that I remember. Uh, now, mainly, we could be anything in anything on a given day. Mm. So, apart from, <clears throat> and yes, indeed, in the beginning, I was given <clears throat> um, an opportunity to be uh, Aragon's double when the film started. But the actor at the time was uh, not Viggo Mortensen, it was Stuart Towson. That's right. Yes, he was the the actor, and for obviously reasons of uh, lookalike, uh, I was chosen to be in height and obviously physicality, mm-hmm. uh, size of my body or height, I was chosen to be his double. So it was, it was quite amazing, you know, because Bob gives me the sword, he says, you're the Aragon. And I just thought, oh, this is just for a day. And mm-hmm. I thought, oh, well. But then, then, no, no, you are the Aragon. You are the guy. Hmm. So you're doubling the, you know, I was like, I was over the moon. You hmm. know, I was like, wow, but, I get to yeah. double the main guy. But then, obviously, Stuart uh, doesn't continue. He's, no. He's replaced by Vigo. Yes, it, um, it happened after about three, four weeks. Yeah. And he leaves, and now we've, we're at training in Fort Dorset. This is where we're based. We're living in... Um, you know, sleeping there. This was our headquarters. We set up all the rigging and mats and all our material and all the vans and all the production vehicles were there. Mm. So we're training every day. And next minute, uh, you know, we had, we're training also Lando Bloom, who's just a young actor, maybe 18, 19 years old, because mm. um, he was a Legolas. So Petty was uh, instrumental in training him. And, uh, uh, our late friend, my late friend, who we lost, uh, 
to do cancer several years ago, uh, Morgan Evans, who was an only Australian on the stuntman crew right. from Melbourne. He, he unfortunately passed away. Uh, he was a legolas double. Right. And so we were involved training Orlando, twin sword, as you as you remember, mm. the Legolas has two swords and bows and arrows. Right. And he's the lethal killing machine. So, yes, we had to train. It was a young, uncoordinated, lanky, you know, stabbing us all over the place. So, yeah. I mean, I had a great T-shirt. It had about a great deal of five or six holes, and I used to shove them all the time to Orlando. I said, look at that Orlando arm. Look at my body arm. <laughs> It's full of holes. So, um, but obviously, uh, so mm-hmm. when when Stuart leaves the film, because this is something I think a lot of people don't consider. No. Is that obviously Vigo comes in and... He the- does come. And I remember the day I was having a, I was, we, we came to work. Basically, we were at work was at Fort Dorset and we got up and, and uh, stunt coordinator came and Bob Anderson came and we started warming up with the, some of the younger actors uh, were training the hobbits uh, and um, next minute we hear oh uh, Stuart Towson is gone so uh, Bob goes uh, uh, we don't know what's going to happen la 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 and we went down for a coffee and uh, we see these planes you know flying out because the airport was near Mm. and one of the guys go well the guy's gone you know so now who's coming Oh, there's a, there's a new guy coming. His name is Viggo Mortensen. Now, at this point of time, sort of guys are looking at each other and no one knows who the guy is. Mm. But I just happened to see this, his film earlier on, maybe two weeks earlier. Oh. I picked up at the um, Video Easy mm. and it was an Indian runner. Right. Him and Richard Morse acting. One is a brother, one is a Vietnamese. Vietnam veteran mm. and so I was a- actually amazed about how good this picture was right and then as people are talking about Vigo Morton I say yeah man that's the guy from Indian Runner did you guys see that film did you really this guy can act okay so you, you were straight away going he'll be fine wow mm. this guy is a gun so but obviously Vigo comes in um, yes. and I presume uh, that means that they're then had to be a change in the stunt performer as well. So you were no longer stunt Aragorn. No, I was not. The next minute, Bob Anderson, who was a sword master and stunt coordinator, he chooses uh, Kirk Maxwell, who later on becomes his also right-hand man, uh, as a new Aragorn double. And then he goes, Marcello, you are now Boromir's double. Right. And I go, wow, that's great. <laughs> So it's a new sword, mm. new armor, new makeup, uh, new beard. Mm. Um, is, uh, do you have to learn a, obviously a different fighting style because yes, the, the character of Boromir is obviously uh, he's a Gondor, Gondor, he's a Gondor warrior. prince. Yeah, basically. sword and shield, sword and shield, yeah. and he's got Whereas, a horn and uh, yeah, basically yes, and he's uh, he is a very passionate and very driven. Mm guy and uh, so obviously yes I, I sort of start to I, do, I don't read a book at this time I don't I actually never read a book I'll be honest with you I have read, a book you've not I read never The Lord read of the Rings it. no I never read it oh. but <laughs> <laughs> I mean you've got to do the I guess the best thing in being in it but yes oh, there's a few I mean 
I, I don't know if you saw the film, but they're pretty good. They're worth a read. Strange as it is, but I do have a book, and it's signed by all of the actors, which is amazing. It's mm. my prized possession. But I will read it. I, I, I don't know when, but I have to find a time to start reading it. it it's going to be interesting. Mm. But yeah, then Boromir, yes, is, is a different character, different type of person. Mm. So... Uh, obviously is a different weapon now now the different fight scenes obviously as you remember he dies in the film well earlier yeah. and i suppose when you're um as a stunt performer and you know you're going to be playing a character that sean bean is the actor for yes you're probably aware death is coming at some point yes you, i do yeah so i live for it <laughs> well yeah I, su- I suppose though for a stunt performer it's something that you would maybe encounter a bit more yes because some of some characters die in very spectacular ways often with a bit with a big set piece stunt that requires the stunt work when it comes to playing an entirely new character essentially mimicking it to an extent another actor how um how how difficult is that for you because obviously you would have been basing I, I presume at least you would have been basing some of your movements and mannerisms off what Stuart Townsend was preparing for Aragon and not really no. I, to be honest with you I have the affair that Stuart Townsend had with the with the whole picture was minimal okay I'll be honest with you we basically seen him and he's gone right I probably remember three sessions of sword fighting and just choreography and getting into it hmm. the next minute he's gone so it was no love lost there as okay. far as it goes and we didn't even get the chance to know him i did hear about him. he was a canadian he was a young actor yeah and um however he's gone the vigos came and there was a totally different energy as a vigo wa- w- walks in his bare feet he's got a cargo pants hmm basic t-shirts and he's got this aussie hat uh, you know leather hat mm. uh, kubra whatever and he's just a simple guy walks in and introduces a very humble person and uh yeah he you could just picks up this sword and oh, oh my god this guy f- just fits everything he's just it's him mm. you know it's almost like a destiny you yeah know? He, was, he was the right actor for the he for the was yeah. and beyond that not only that he he he's just so amazing because we all click on with him and because he's been he, he's been so accepting of everyone and uh he's inspired us to work really greatly as a team and give a hundred and twenty percent really mm. um, um i understand you also uh got to do some stunt work as gandalf yes um now were you involved in what is one of my favourite scenes, the wizard fight with uh, Saruman in uh, Isengard? Yes, I was. There was the time that I spent about a month on the film set, probably I would say about four to six weeks. One of the uh, principal uh, um, stuntmen that was doubling Syrian McKellen at the time was Tim, Tim McLaughlin, um, great stuntman and he is injured himself he basically broken his leg that day so um, there was nobody I don't think that at the time was anyone who could step into his boots and uh, Patty and uh, Bruce asked me um, there was something going on rather strange at, at the time um, but uh, yeah they, they asked me said look this is your moment you you need to go and uh, you know do your best and uh, it was 
quite difficult hmm. from well, a point of view that was really uncomfortable. Hmm. That was really, really hard. There was really hard scenes in that, uh, in that particular fight scene between Saruman and Gandalf. Hmm. Um, there was a lot of wire work. Autang um, um, Chamber was all gloss black. Uh, now, when you're wearing your um, wig and a beard, it's rather uncomfortable. You mm -hmm. get lots of heat uh, containing in your body. Then there's this woolen robe, and underneath there was a special, um, special gear. Amspec was a an American sort of like a vest where there's a special fittings for the very thin wires, right. which obviously they were going to use for propelling me up in the air. Mm and um so basically it was very uncomfortable it was I, I felt very nauseated and dehydrated i had to have a fan next to my face i was lying on a box uh, lined up on three wires basically waiting for the action and mm -hmm. this was to be making or breaking off whatever because um the as you understand every time they roll the film back in action and a back in action if you got to do 10 times is a huge amount of money mm. so i did manage to do most of the scenes out of three three goes right so the thing that really struck me the first time watching it and indeed yes. in subsequent viewings is that fight just seems that bit more even though it's two wizards it seems that bit more real in terms of it's two people throwing each other to the floor and they're sliding across and they're hitting walls and they're banging their heads uh whereas obviously in a lot of the other scenes you know these big fight scenes yes there's people being bonked on the head or having heads cut off or whatever it is but i think because that particular scene it's in a contained room uh, saruman didn't have any cushions anywhere this is a very no. pointy hard room so as a stunt performer it, mu it must have been very taxing it was for me particularly more so for me than for Lance, who was the uh, double for... Oh, Gandalf so, lost, so yeah, I suppose. Yeah, well, Gandalf got his ass kicked really <laughs> big time by Saruman. And uh, yeah, the, the, the double who who was acting as uh, Sir Christopher Lee's um, double was a Lance, mm. fellow called Lance from Wellington. He was really good. Um, he'd done a really good job, basically. Well, I had to sell. I had to sell all the falls, really, mm. because I had to fall on and on again he grabs my stick you know uses the both magic powers of the both of the sticks trashes me against the wall mm -hmm. then there's a scene where basically we had to improvise with the cherry picker behind the scene so basically um we have this um differential with a with a rope attached to my back of my neck mm -hmm. and basically the guys four of them we had all the carabiners strapped to them uh, chest and jumping in the same time right counterweight doing with the pulley thing so right. basically i was lined up against the wall well in the middle of the autumn chamber and uh, next minute y y you can see the difference when the, when four guys are jumping off the cherry picker and suddenly the rope tenses obviously had to be tense before that but mm. all of a sudden i just have this basically like i'm just got pulled mm. into the air and i had to hit right above the doors so basically first two or three times i did make the mark but it ended up going to more than 10 15 times right. at which one point i did get a little bit of hit yeah but i did carry on i had to mm. 
Later on, we all remembered that there was a dummy there which we could have filled up with the sand and made a basically 85 kilos, which I weight at the time. Right. And flung that a few times and see how the, you know, we're going to do it. Right. But instead, they used me as a dummy. Well, it's, it's, it's good to know the whole thing was as authentic <laughs> as it could be. So, oh, yes. So you are the spinning Gandalf then. You yes. are You are, when Saruman is spinning him around and saying, you have elected the way of pain, it's you that's yes. being that. It was a great brilliant. moment. Yeah. Did it was you, fantastic did you get, moment. Um, particularly nauseous? Because that, that seemed to go for a little while. Oh, yes. I, I was already nauseous from heat, from the, mm. you know, the Gandalf's hair and the beard and, and, and the, the stuff that was really tight around my chest. I could, couldn't really expand my chest and take deep breaths. So it was really all about adapting and overcoming really pain the nausea the claustrophobia i just basically i can understand if anyone else before me was doing it how uncomfortable that was mm. because i certainly felt like five three minutes into it i just felt like getting out of there let me out let me out mm. i'm just can't breathe but yes my stunt coordinator petty was there and he just looked at me and he says i know you can do this mm. i know you can do it do you need anything? So I said, just give me a cold water on a straw, put a fan next to me. Next minute, the boys, the props, with the props running around, put mm. a big fan next to my face, put me on a box, and then I felt calm. I just relaxed into it. I sort of get meditated a little bit for a moment, and I just didn't want to hear nobody. Mm. I just called me when you're ready. And this is when I opened my eyes, and this, the queue was on. And uh, this whole ratchet or thing was just spinning, starting to spin. And basically, yeah, there was me and uh, Sir Richard, uh, Christopher Lee. Mm. He was saying all the lines. And mm. basically, I had to just pretend that I was in agony and pain. And mm. I was not having a control over my own body. Mm. The next minute, he just spins as, as, as a thing spins, spins. I was just flung in the air. And we did it three times. At one point, one wire did snapped and nearly hit sir christopher lee right um but that just happens that's one of those things it mm. was fortunately didn't nothing happen to him and we fixed the problem and uh we done a three shots and we he was taken by the uh, producer mm. and the director he says taken after third time right so you've got to work here with some absolutely fantastic actors um in, in this film obviously you you were the stunt double for Sean Bean and for Syrian McAllen and you were just saying there you got to work with Sir Christopher Lee yes um how was that that's, that's the only question that comes to mind what is it like uh Marcello to work with Sir Christopher Lee wow he was an amazing person I mean just go back in time I was born in 1968 so back in the days as I remember early films that I grew up watching from Dracula to um, 007, remembering Scaramanga, mm. Man with a Golden Gun. That's right. And uh, interestingly enough, I did find in the Wellington some uh, postcards um, in some of the shops, you know, with the man with the golden It was him with the golden gun. And I asked him, please, can you sign this? I always was bothering him. Please, can you sign this, <laughs> sign that for me? And he did. He loved it. Aww. He loved to sign. He didn't mind. He was very accommodating. Mm. And uh, uh, truly, it was an honor, uh, uh, if I should say. And, and his most memorable thing was working with them. 
because particularly because the fact that he really was somebody I enjoyed his company and Paddy and myself work very closely with him and we're making sure the safety of his, his physical safety because mm. we were, as we worked with him we were always around him yeah so therefore even sitting next chair next to him was great they were designated a chair for me to sit right next to him and often the first AD would come brand and they didn't want to bother him talking to me because he was telling me something historical he was really an amazing guy very knowledgeable of history mm -hmm. and everything and in particularly um he was interested in talking about world war ii because he was he was telling me about his commando days i was about to say he was very much involved in he the, was in involved in second world war and uh, he was telling me about his life story and so people didn't dare to interrupt our conversation he was really yeah. like you know i'll talk to you when i'm finished <laughs> I, I have to say uh, i completely sympathize with them uh, i would not dare want to interrupt christopher lee when he's in the middle of a story especially his voice eh? he and sounds he if, sounds he's very yeah. imposing the his sound of his voice is very tall mm. and if he's there in all the saruman makeup as well oh. you don't you scary yeah because he i mean he's he's a fabulous performer and oh. I, we were discussing this on um on the podcast because obviously he was such a massive fan of the lord of the rings um i don't think they could have gotten anyone better to have played saruman no. I, and so much of this film i think they did a really good job of getting the right actors um in those parts i think they did a it, it's very hard to watch the film and go oh maybe they could have got someone else to play Frodo or Gandalf it's like I don't think so no I think there's no coincidence um, <clears throat> Steve I think it, it is it is what it is mm. life is what life is we live once we we die once it's a bit like that mm. whatever we do in between is what we do and it's it's it's, it's the opportunity that we all have in life to do something is I believe everyone does their best and those people have just given 110 percent mm. uh, having particularly Chris, Christopher Lee and Sir Ian McKellen and, and Vigo and Sean right down to the hobbits and even the crew the people the doubles and everyone has done a week behind mm. there was no coincidence really but uh, yeah as far as 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 a quality of picture and acting and everything they couldn't find any anyone better to play these particular uh, individuals like Saruman and mm. Gandalf they, mm. they they were just pivotal yeah everything was spinning around them the entire story the culmination is the Saruman and the Gandalf mm. and the fellowship of the ring and whatever happens later on is you know is history mm. And it's a, it's amazing, and right down to the makeup artist and all the Veta studio to people who produced the weapons, the armorers, uh, you know, everything was just amazing. Mm -hmm. It was just uh, entering into a den of of artisans, you know, going down to Veta studio to get, you know, fitted with some of the weapons first time, my first experience, and trying the weapons, and because we had to basically say look we're comfortable with this there had to be a lot of adjustments with certain things particularly with the helmets on the Urukais because of the vision mm. wasn't very good so because of safety we had to do a lot of adjustments so everyone was very accommodating people were asking questions and and everyone was very serious and dedicated mm -hmm. 
Uh, we have a question uh, that was submitted by one of our uh, Patreon patrons, yes. um, people who are uh, big supporters of the Cinema Catch-Up Club podcast. Uh, Simon Haynes asked uh, the following, what was the stunt or stunt work that you are most proud of? Now, he said that this doesn't have to be Lord of the Rings. This can be from anything in your career. Uh, in my career particularly? Mm. I don't know. I, I, I would have to say in Lord of the Rings again. Why? Because it, it really was a highlight mm. uh, for me to do things like uh, particular scenes with the with a Viggo Mortensen in the uh, scene at uh, I believe it was uh, Amon Hen when uh, Frodo puts his ring on and disappears, mm. and they're on top of this hill, and the Nazgul or the Ringwraiths are coming through these uh, things and attacking. Um, fellowship of the Ring and trying to oh, get Frodo uh, when they're fighting on Weathertop. Weathertop, that's yeah, right. Yeah, that's that's it, the one. That's yes, that's and that's uh, so you were in that scene. Yes, I was in that scene. Um, there was four of us. There was myself, uh, Andy Stellan, Paul Shepcott, uh, Morgan Evans, and uh, I believe Tim Tim McLaughlin. Actually, yes, uh, we're doing the scenes, and for that particular scene, we had to do the full body burns. One of the one of the stunt, he said to do just a head burn. Mm-hmm. Oh, when he, when Aragorn throws the uh, yes the the torch into the Nazgul's the, the Nazgul's cow. head, that's yeah. right. And then you know there was a partial one had a partial burn, but my one was a full body burn. So basically, um, 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 Greg Powell, who was at the time an English stunt coordinator, he 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 doused me really with incinerator and this particular glue that he put on on me and it was going to be a you know i was going to be a christmas tree mm. as he said to me and he says after uh, he said after that you come and see me and we'll have a, one of those churchill mark ii cigars <laughs> <laughs> if you're alive he said to so, me so, uh, so we, we did that you, was a you were the nazgul that is completely on fire running yes. away so i have to ask now what's yes. it like being set on fire like that, that whole process because it's something we see stunt performers do a lot the the person who is on fire or the full body thing and i presume they do it in a way that's safe because you're here today with no uh, major skin burns that no, i can see no there is i mean as as we know the stunt coordinators and stuntmen are very highly uh, trained people and we take no chances absolutely and at that time it was uh, obviously before i did um, this big uh, burn a particular scene uh, we did train for it in the um, in Fort Dorset on a particular day um, because I didn't do body burn before and it was mm-hmm. my first big jump into deep water right. with the sharks. Basically, I was not doing partial or leg or arm, whatever usually you see in the movies. There mm-hmm. was a complete full body burn. Right. And yes, of course, there was... A part of me, I was a little bit fearful, but because I had a faith in all the people that were around me, the team, etc., mm-hmm. etc., et I was really um, motivated to do it, and I knew there was going to be this was going to be something big. This is going to be something that I will always remember. Mm-hmm. So yeah, on a day, uh, basically, the equipment, the most important equipment is the the woolen underwear and uh, right. or polyprops but actually it's not a polyprops it is pure wool merino t-shirts oh. if you remember old school that they, they used to use this sort of grayish white yes yes uh, they are soaked in a uh, in a tea tree gel right. overnight so basically bruce 
Brown, who, who prepared everything for me and uh, Greg Powell, they, they had these uh, big buckets full of this gel, particular stuff. It's a retardant. Mm. So basically it protects you from, from burning right. if anything is going to happen. So first layer is the dry pair of underwear, which mm. you put on. And then the next one is the one that's been soaked in gel. Right. So All right? obviously so still quite wet. That's <laughs> right. So it's wet. So you, you put it on top of the dry woolen underwear, long johns, mm. and, the, and the long sleeves. You're putting the wet gear. And then after that, you put a dry. And then you put fourth layer is, again, the jelly. Right. And then after that, they fit you with your Nazgul uh, character right so you had wardrobe. All the, obviously all the nazgul stuff on top of this this multi-layered yes flame essentially a uh, flame retardant material yes flame retardant material once that that was done i was i was feeling good i was feeling a bit cold because of the tea tree jelly it was getting through me but i also felt warm so at at the last point was the mask was put on and before i went in the greg goes just grab as much of jelly as you want and just run around your neck mm-hmm. and your head just don't put it in your eyes right and then once they did that they fitted me and then he proceeded to do the uh, uh, put the uh, it, what looked to me was like uh, uh, an old glue that used to have very highly flammable glue kind of mm. molasses like he put it all over my body and then he used this incinerator stuff it's almost like a petroleum i don't know what it was mm-hmm. he sprayed me on a particular area just about a minute before the camera's rolling on and then what we did just before then we did a little um just rehearsal just a very quick one mm-hmm. the timing where i'm going to be positioning the vigo with the torch etc etc and we did straight from the beginning this was not going to be second time around this was mm. going to be one time off right you had one chance to one to chance mm. everyone's timing had to be impeccable mm-hmm. entrance through the thing had to be impeccable because one of the guys Nazgul's jump on a trampoline and come in and obviously slow motion you could see him coming through mm. almost flying through this arcade right and then i'm coming in and we all attacking in the same time and as a vigo is coming in and trying to um just chase us off with a torch because Nazgul's are known to be scared of fire. Yeah. So obviously as we're retreating, but we're attacking back, I'm going for one slash and he goes under and boom. This is where I was um, incinerated so right under the armpit. Just under the arm and yes. then off you go. Off I go. I had to do 360 two times and just leave a lot of crazy sounds behind, which actually were a lot of, a lot of our sounds were actually recorded. Right. Uh, particularly myself and uh, Andy Stalin and myself were doing some crazy sounds of, of Nazgul's, mm. which there was actually recorded by one of the studio guys, right. which was later on used. That's fantastic. And so, then in the spare time, we used to make faces underneath. <laughs> well, I suppose no one could see. So, <laughs> um, so, so, and then I presume uh, that is it fire extinguishers they get on you or yes ha- that now that that is the interesting part that i was was going to and then outside um this particular area where we um obviously this all happened all right and i was given the exit to walk straight through mm-hmm. and disappear i would have jumped off maybe off the stage maybe about a meter and a half 
and it was marked area with the cones obviously where I'm going to lay down and as I lay down two of my colleagues were going to bring the blanket which was jellied with the tea tree and retired so basically you had to kill the fire but before that happens as I lie down two fire extinguishers were hitting just a little bit further away from me and taking all the air so basically how it's done it's you you use the fire extinguisher to take the air out of right. the fire so yeah. that then when the blanket smothers it it's then got it, yeah, no exactly. more fuel no more fuel right. so basically that whole process should have happened within from the moment i jump less than 15 seconds right and unfortunately in the first time um one of the um stunt uh, performers i didn't choose them so like on the day I should have really chosen who I wanted. Uh, mm. So the, obviously, the, one of the ladies, um, stunt performer, she was uh, chosen. She uh, hit uh, right above my body. She hit before my feet, so that all the air is taken out. Unfortunately, when everyone said it's all good, it's finished, I got up, and then I went and you know suddenly I was in flames, engulfed again. Oh. Right, and I jumped, and by then I didn't have any more air, and I was just gulping for the mm. last bits of air. So just lying down, holding on, holding on, and then basically they repeated the whole process and extinguished the fire. The next minute, someone came and just grabbed the whole balaclava off me, off the face, and I took my first breath, and it was more than sixty seconds without air. So wow. basically, I did, I did prepare for it. Mm. I spent about a couple of weeks just trying to breathe in without, you know, taking a long time to breathe under without breath, take a breath without well, underwater. I mean, it was a good thing you did, and I, I suppose that's the thing that it always comes back to with with stunt work is is the amount of preparation that one has to do for. I, the... I did prepare for it. Mm. I, I probably spent about a two weeks under the, in a pool, just going to pool every day, mm. just go underwater and just take as long as I could without mm. oxygen. So, would you say that was probably the the most dangerous stunt you did in Lord of the Rings? One of them. Mm. There was quite a few we did. We did basically we did well, some of the big fight scenes on a wall. You know, in the second or first second movie. You know, where, uh, where we were we, we playing. The, some of us were playing the Urukais. Oh, in uh, Helm's Deep. Helm's Deep. That's mm. right. We're attacking and we, we're coming in in in, in mass. You know, through this. Uh, in basically, um, the berserk has blown the wall. Mm. And all the water came out. <laughs> oh, yeah, when they run in and they're going, Argh. Yes. Okay, so you were one of those getting smacked with all that water when the Yes, I was right there in the front. So we all got washed out, basically. The, the amount of water that was in there was like breaking up the dam. The, the amount of water, there was a few tons of water. Mm. I don't know how many, but just came up. It just flushed us like ants. Right. And all the people ended up on top of me. And so the next minute, all I was doing, I was, I was just relaxed. Because I knew there was no point moving. Mm. I knew the water eventually will dry out. Mm. But the people on top of me, there's nothing you can do about it. Mm. So I just... A uh, great thing was we had this armor around us. So basically, all the people piling on top of me didn't crush me. Right. Didn't crush my chest. Right. So I just had enough of time to take a deep breath and just wait for the water to go down. And it took probably about 30 seconds. 40 seconds. I, I'm starting to realize this holding your breath lesson was very important. <laughs> it was. It, 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 I found that was incredible. Mm. You know, so going to the pool every day and swimming and just trying to be fit. I mean, most of us were doing things. Mm. Most of us were training, running, jogging, 
doing things we knew we had to be very fit because mm. uh, just to avoid injury but also for the performance mm. you know um helm's deep you've just touched on there um is is one of the more um famous sequences from the the trilogy and is also quite well known for a lot of the uh f- fans of the series for the fact that it was a um quite a long shoot uh and it was a lot of um obviously in a lot of rain uh and it was uh obviously quite cold and at night time um how how difficult was that shoot as a as a stunt performer it was very difficult um i do remember a lot of the now we'll be speaking a good point of, about it is that it meant to be done for about six weeks it was a night shoots it was done in a quarry outside wellington maybe um 15 20 minutes 30 minutes of drive uh, outside a place called Porterua and it was an old um i don't know stone cave whatever they they dragging some rocks out of there mm. i don't know what it was but they made all these castles and they made all the props and st- uh, you know props were done in there and uh, a lot of stuff was shifted there and basically uh all logistical side went on for about 12 weeks so basically we'll be rocking up from the from Fort Dorset we're driving there parking our cars going up the hill and uh having a breakfast at six o'clock in the afternoon so basically mm. we're cooking breakfast six o'clock in the evening mm. you know because it, and then we work all through the night till about six seven in the morning mm. and there was a lot of rain as you know New Zealand is a very you know it's a four seasons in one day country mm. uh, particularly in the winter time and also there was a shower tower as well which they use uh, in at the times when they had to recreate the the rain so, so the rain so that l- you l- see is artificial right. rain that's coming from the there was a huge crane with the with the, with the, with obviously nozzles that mm. could pump a lot of water and obviously with inside the frame mm. a wide frame and close-up frame shooting on the Eurokais banging their swords on and all the rain pouring down yes. their bodies and it was magnificent mm. scary absolutely yeah. hair-raising and it, it looks like that sequence looks amazing we um obviously have watched it uh, recently for the for the podcast yes and it still um it, I, I still find it as a, as a sequence the most captivating of all the really excellent sequences that are in the trilogy there is something about helm's deep that the first time i saw it i was 13 and i just could not believe what i was saying and it was it was one of those times as a very distinct memory of watching it and going this is the best thing i've ever seen what's going on <laughs> and it, yeah and it, it you say it, it must be so rewarding to to go through all this hard work and to go through getting set on fire and and all that the hard work involved in getting physically fit and working on these films for two and a half three years yes to then have the finished product like when you got to go and sit down and actually see the films for the first time what, what was that experience like it was amazing well i, I don't know it's very hard to control the emotions you mm. know like everything toppled with music the music was great you mm. know the, the the composition of the music ran to scenery to all the scenes and everything the the whole story it was just amazing you know uh, there was a moment you just close your eyes and and you remember that 30 seconds of that 
of the to be edited and to be given presented to the public on a screen mm. was a matter of weeks and weeks of hard work mm. waking up in the morning at three four in the morning driving up to 10 15 case and then working 16 hour days and uh, being tired you know being wet mm. uh, you talk about uh, helms deep and all the all the Eurocons having to endure all night in a soaking wet so you as you imagine the prosthetics mm. Can absorb a lot of water and oh, you know course. the temperatures were soaring down to about six or seven or five three 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 degrees four degrees in the evening mm -hmm. in new zealand it's very cold during the winter yeah. so so some of these people like you, you had to have a lot of blankets just to keep you can't you couldn't just simply take this wet spongy um material material off the of the uh of the people you mm -hmm. know you, you had to stay in your in your in your gear basically mm. in your in your prosthetics mm. um as a stunt performer uh, obviously injury is a part and parcel of the the job um d did you gain any sort of notable injuries on this film or, or was it more sort of the usual sort of bruises and bangs that you get uh, say working on something like xena lots of bruises and bangs yeah but yeah particularly in an autang chamber we getting trashed against that wall was mm. a little bit yeah, I did I did feel I as I injured my neck a little bit that I felt some years later but that got fixed they got better later on but yeah there was there's just minor injuries look uh, on the end of the day we became more and more aware of the stuff as we worked on the Lord of the Rings we, we, we you know some of us have even more money and we're able to buy and improvise you know uh, buy some safety gear from United States and uh, some of the guys were buying things from motorbike shops, you know, mm -hmm. uh, Clover and Danese uh, back in, you know, what, what the motorcycle riders uh, w basically have under the, under their jackets in the case they're falling down. Uh, oh, yes. We used to buy a lot of this stuff, you know, the sp spinal protection. Right. Because we knew if we're falling down of height or something like that and, you know, potentially there could be a spinal injury so mm. you know you, you have some stuff underneath if you could hide it yes mm. but generally yeah you know back spinal injury protection was the most important one mm. so i'm going to ask this question but i know that you may not want to give an answer do you have a favorite of the three films is is there one of the films that a fellowship two towers or return of the king that you look at and go I think this one is my favourite. Yes, I, I do have, although I, I really value all three of them. I mm -hmm. really like them. There's a different emotions that come to surface when you watch a different film because mm -hmm. different things were happening at a time uh, of filming. And uh, But, yeah, I would say Fellowship of the Ring was my favourite, very right. first film. Okay. Um, culminating to... Uh, maybe second film being the best second and mm. the third one for the past best for the last mm. third one so your order would be one two three in one two three i like the one two three order excellent excellent um with um obviously your time working on on the films and we, we discussed before uh, frequent conversations with christopher lee um i understand that you got a certain sir ian mckellen to write you a a reference Yes, he did. I, 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 uh, I was, uh, you know, at one time I was talking to him and uh, he 
he did say to me, mentioned to me, he says, I would like to give you a, a good reference from the job you have done. Oh, so he gave you, the, he approached yes, you and said? he approached said, me and he said to me, I, I, I would like to give me a reference for my work for the future right. work because he um, he really appreciated what what we were doing for him as, as we worked with him. Um, we were very concerned with his safety. There was a times that um, he did mention to me that it is rather dusty and smoky and it's not part of his contract and um, I would just then take in the quietly word to uh, to um, first AD and second AD and tell them look you know just be aware Mr Lee is Sir Christopher Lee is, is a bit bit you know he's not very particularly happy about environment at the moment you mm -hmm. know it's a bit of a smoke so obviously the, Somebody who's 79 years old who had, mm -hmm. had a triple bypass already, and, and, and I was just amazed that the guy had such an amazing energy, mm -hmm. reservoir energy for work, for performance, I mean, in traveling yeah. and, and living out of basically out of his uh, comfort zone. You know, mm -hmm. he's, he was away from home, and although he was staying in a hotel, he had a driver, he had everything, you know, obviously, you know, n never mentioned mm -hmm. the rest, but you know, he, he's still a person who's 79 yeah think still... about somebody your grandparents 79 well my grandfather is is 79 about to turn 80 so well, I'm, think I, about it i'm yes. thinking about it uh i don't think he would have made a very good saruman uh partly because he's got very strong northern <laughs> irish accents <so. laughs> been, you have elected the way of pain it wouldn't have worked um, but yeah it, it, it uh, is incredible that that christopher lee had this had this great energy and then they do the Hobbit films ten years later, and he's in them as well. And e even though it's, I don't know how he did it. He, he, yeah. he, I mean, he just has that energy, man. This yeah. is what when you love to do, when you love what you're doing, this is what it is. This is your life. Yeah, and you, you also like, I mean, he, he right to he, the end, he, right to the end, because he, he, it's, I think it was four years ago that he's passed he, away. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, and four he, years ago he's passed away. But he was still appearing in things. He was in Hugo. He was in the Star um, Wars. Yeah, as Count Dooku. He's, he's well. I was. I was having. You know, he actually rung me. It, it was very interesting because he was. Um, because we had a lot of interesting conversations and and you know because I mean he, he's man of war and uh, served in World War Two and we had these interesting conversations. Particularly, where I come from, I was born in Croatia. So during World War Two, there was a lot of things happening over there, in particular area where I come from, and uh, so we we touched the line on a lot of these things. And he was quite amazed about, you know, what I knew, and uh, and then he was telling me like well, I was here and such place and such place. It was amazing. Anyhow, we came to touch the line on some things, and he says I would love to. He says, I'm collecting all these berries from special forces and I'm, you know, I don't really have these ones, particular ones. So he asked me about some military regalia that he really wanted to have. Mm. So when I went for my holiday to Croatia in 2001, one of my cousins was obviously serving during, the, there was a war there in 1995, mm. and he served in one of these um, units. So I asked him, I said, please, would you kindly you know get me one of these berets whatever he's really after this and he's a very famous i told him who he was and he mm. said oh yeah i know the guy la 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 and he did actually send me one interestingly enough i, I couldn't get a better timing of it because i was driving i was on auckland bridge and my phone rang mm. and uh, basically i i missed the call 
And I, so I reached for the phone and uh, listened to the message and put it on a loudspeaker. And guess what? It was of Christopher Lee. Wow. It was his voice. Left message on my phone. I was like, oh my God, what's going on? So I just got off the bridge and and I listened to the message. And it, it was him. He says, I'm just flying to Auckland to, uh, sorry, to Wellington to do some blue screen work. And mm-hmm. I would love to meet you. And have you got my item? Because he called us an item. Because yes. it was a very thing between us. So I did. And if, interestingly enough, this morning I went into my mailbox and I got the package from Croatia. There was this particular beret. Perfect timing. He, he who wanted. So I rang him immediately and because um, he, he left his number and his whereabouts. He was down in Duxton Hotel. And he says, I'd love to see you. And we meet up and uh, have you got the item and so i said yeah i do have it and i'll see you in about a couple of days so i did i, f- I drove down to wellington stayed at a friend's place for a couple of days and met up with him met his wife mm. it was beautiful and i gave him this particular um item that he really cherished and he was very grateful to me and he did at that time he did give me the reference oh that's wonderful yes he did it was wonderful. I was I was very humbled by it that he mm. actually did give it to me, and um, you know I still keep it. I made a couple of copies, so I don't lose it. But um, yeah, he was very. It was quite amazing. Mm. Uh, I have it somewhere. You know, I still keep it in it somewhere. Yes. Uh, well, I mean, I should say for the people at home. Uh, uh, Marcello sits here before me with a, a little file of facts full of uh, lots of memorabilia from from his time working on the film, and it's it's just been a pleasure to to just look at. Um, there's a wonderful photograph of um, of uh, some would say the alternative fellowship. I'd probably say the true fellowship. All the stunt performers and a, a lovely picture of yourself and Sir Christopher Lee in full getup. You as Gandalf and him as yes. um, him as Saruman. These particular photos, as I mentioned earlier on, uh, we had to be very careful about acquiring any photos of ourselves, and particularly with actors. Mm. And if we did have them, I just—I was very private about. It. I never boasted to people, showing them to people. Even these days, I hardly tell a lot of people what I was doing. But my wife and kids sometimes don't keep their mouth shut. Say, "Well, my daddy was working on Lord of the Rings." You know? <laughs> so anyway, then the story starts, and you got to tell people what mm. you did. And and it's nice, you know. It, I do remember, and I, it's wonderful. And and it was actually great to, to actually sometimes remember. And I put things together because they're all in the different boxes. I, I I believe I do have a quite a lot of photos in a, one of the boxes, but I'm not just getting the time around to enlarge them and make them bigger and put them out on the walls. But I should really. Mm. So one of these days, you probably when you come next time to my house, you probably see a couple of these pictures enlarged and put on the wall. Well, I mean, if you've got them, why not? You know, it's it's not it's not everyone that can say, oh, yeah, Lord of the Rings, I I was in that. What? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And not only that, you were you were multiple members of the Fellowship. You were Aragon. You were Boromir. You were Gandalf. Like Nazgul, uh, Urukai. Uh, I don't know what else I wasn't. You're you're a one man Tolkien machine. It's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I could be was a hobbit. Ah uh, yes, well, one eighty three six foot. I can't be that. <laughs> well, um, you, it's been absolutely fantastic to talk to you. Um, the only question I really had left mm. was obviously working on Lord of the Rings, and it's it's at the time of recording, it's almost twenty years since that 
well, it's more than 20 years since that process. It's amazing. I can't off. believe it. Um, but now that you've had, obviously, the time subsequent to it and, um, you know, you're now um, quite, you know, a distance away from that whole process, what was the most rewarding aspect of working on the Lord of the Rings films? Now that you can sit and reflect, what was the thing that just makes you feel the happiest about having worked on that? I think what mostly makes me happy is that no matter what, in the beginning of the time, before the picture was even made, I only ever heard about a film once. And then through the circumstances that have happened, uh, starting from the beginning, basically, that team, very team that we started as an embryo, mm. basically, we were maybe, perhaps, shall it happen? Is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? And as we sold ourselves to the New Line Cinema and to Peter Jackson, and he was very happy because he's very particular. You know, Peter Jackson's mm. very particular. He, he he's, a, he's a guy with an amazing energy and and imagination. Mm. That's probably why New Line Cinema has chosen him to be the director of it. Mm. He even looked like a hobbit <laughs> for I mean, a moment. A, a little bit. A little <laughs> bit. He was amazing. And his kids appeared in a cameo a couple of times. Yes, the, they're the little... Uh, well, I know they're the little hobbit kids in the first film. Yes. Uh, when Bilbo's telling the story. Yes. yes. It was very cute. Yeah. And his wife was involved. His wife worked as well. And many, many others. And... So, yeah, you know, that's that's what it is. I think it being there in the beginning, I wouldn't say I was till the very end there. But if there was something that has been done, like I've done 110, 150, 190 percent mm. of everything, I've done what I've done. Mm. Later on, when I'm gone, there was still another year that people were still filming mm. but that didn't matter for me because i know i've done a lot yeah i've done a lot more than anyone ever will they can even talk about it some people will say oh we were there because I, I do remember that a lot of people try to sort of you know being some people were boasting about it a lot of people were secret but it was nothing to be secret nothing to boast about it mm. we lived in wellington for those year and a half or two it was the most wonderful time i had mm. In my life and i always fondly remember all my friends uh, and uh, all the friendships i made on the film and still i keep in touch with a lot of the people mm. and it was wonderful i couldn't imagine that one day i'll meet christopher lee and as a child i watched his movies and and um, although as a kid i do used to play a lot of these things mm. we did play movies like most of the boys do sword fighting this that mm. but i never ever believed that something like that happened to me mm. so it was almost like a dream has come true for the little boy mm. uh, that i was once upon a time and uh, although there are a lot of stories like lord of the rings but there ain't no stories like lord of the rings because mm. that's just beyond tolkien was just someone who was unbelievable mm. to conceive but then again for peter jackson to direct that and uh, obviously barry osborne and you know people behind the scene but it all comes down to everyone everyone has their part in there so so that dna that went into making of this film is what is the most important and i just almost feel like i was the witness of it all mm. and that's what made me makes me very proud and on the end of the day this is what mm. it is all about 
either a witness who was set on fire and almost drowned and thrown around a wizard's tower. But we forgot we were actually supposed to do one more scene, which never was filmed. Oh. There was the Boromir being, once he was dead, you know, he, the battle, you know, where Boromir dies. Yes. And, and is killed by by the the Urukai leader, which was played by Lawrence Makuare. He's mm. a well-known New Zealand Maori actor. Yes. He's absolutely amazing. He, that guy is just <laughs> scariest dude you ever see. Six mm. foot four, and his acting. And one, once he was in prosthetics, it was the most scariest guy I ever seen in my life. He's terrifying as Lurt. He's terrifying. Lurt is just absolute terrifying. He kills me, you know. Of course, he kills me. And then I supposed to be put in this boat in this dinghy and pushed down the river. Mm. So I went and purchased one of those uh, inflatable things, which I was going to have underneath. Oh yeah. So you pull the pull the trigger and the thing inflates. It so was one of those life yeah, jacket. Life jacket, which I was going to put underneath the suit. So I was supposed to go down these waterfalls, and I was really anticipating to do that. Mm. That would have been the biggest highlight, but they canned it. Oh. They I- didn't want to do it, and I said to, them, "Why don't you guys want to do it? They're probably uh, they're probably." scared how how it is all gonna work out mm. because i was supposed to be laying as in a coffin and just float down the river and go off so mm. I, I i have a fair idea why they didn't do it but i you know another another time we can talk about it that's that's a-okay i mean i i mean i'm i'm perfectly happy that they didn't because you are here today to uh tell us to tell, tell you the story and to tell us all these wonderful stories uh, michello it's it's been a real pleasure uh to to get to speak to you and just gab lord of the rings for for an hour um and thank you so much for for appearing on the cinema catch-up club thank you so much steve it's my pleasure and for those of you listening at home uh thank you very much for listening to this uh, very special interview uh that's all for this week we'll be back next week with another regular episode but until then goodbye good night You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.